Wow. I like opening my sermons with wow. What a powerful statement our pastor just made. He said, Lord, we invite your presence into this place. Lord, I need to be changed by your presence. Can I just make a statement this morning on the heels of that? And and I hope you receive this today, is that you cannot remain unchanged in the presence of a holy God. So if you have some things going on in your life today, you've got some issues that you need God to be attentive to, just get in His presence for a minute because you cannot remain unchanged in the presence of a holy God. And so today, Lord, we just say, we invite your presence into this room. Make yourself known today. Corey and I, as Pastor said, we're new here. And so we're new because uh, we have lived in Louisiana for the past 15 years. And Kingwood Church was our home years ago, but 10 years of our time in Louisiana, we lived in West Monroe, Louisiana. Just by show of hands, does anybody know where West Monroe, Louisiana is? Most of you probably know where West Monroe is, not because you studied geography, But because of one simple TV show called Duck Dynasty that aired from March 21st, which happens to be my birthday, by the way. I think they did that on purpose. Of 2012 to March 29th of 2017. And I have a lot of people asking me questions, so we're just going to settle it today. Do you know the duck people off of Duck Dynasty? The answer is no, but I did have a lot of interaction with them while we lived in West Monroe. One of my favorite places to see the cast of Duck Dynasty was in a little place called Brookshire's Grocery Store. Willie lived in an adjacent neighborhood to Corey and I, and we would often see Willie, not Corey, shopping up and down the aisles and filling his baskets with groceries. Well, it just became commonplace for us, and we would pass the same down the same aisle, wouldn't even notice that it was Willie, or maybe we wouldn't go, oh, that's Willie there. It just became commonplace, and one day, Corey's Aunt Jackie was visiting us from Columbia. She is a missionary there in Columbia, and so her and Corey go to get some supplies for supper. We're grilling that night, and they're going up and down the aisles of Brookshire's, and lo and behold, they pass Willie, and Corey doesn't notice, and Jackie goes up to, to Willie and begins to talk to him, and Corey goes, Aunt Jackie, you're speaking in Spanish. I don't think he understands you. <laughs> she was so excited and enamored to see Willie from Duck Dynasty. Another one of my favorite interactions with the Duck guys was uh, at one of Ella Rose's best friend's house. She was the niece of Godwin on Duck Dynasty. If you remember Godwin, he, used, he was famous for his pronunciation of the word sandwich. He didn't say sandwich. He said ham sandwich. Some of you have relatives that say ham sandwich. And so God went off of Duck Dynasty, was Ella Rose's best friend's uncle. Well, at a cookout one evening, Uncle Si shows up. And I kid you not, he's got a gallon of sweet tea and a Tupperware cup in his hand. And he sits down in the chair and begins to pour himself a glass of sweet tea. My youngest daughter, Ella Rose, goes to, up to him and says, Hey, Uncle Si. And he says, Hey, baby, like that's her real uncle. And begins to bounce her up and down. On, on her knee. And so, yes, we did have interactions with the duck guys, but no, we didn't know them per- 
personally? Well, the population of West Monroe was only 12,000 people, 3,000 of which went to our church that we were on staff at. So everybody knows everybody, right? You ever live in a town like that where everybody uh, knows everybody? After airing Duck Dynasty, something happened in our nation that has never happened in the past. Anybody ever heard of No Shave November? Guys start growing their beards out in November and they don't shave. Well, it went from No Shave November to No Shave Anytime. Like Pastor Mark went from a goatee to a full beard. I think you need to grow it out a little further, like Pastor Mark. How many of you think Pastor Mark would look good just with a full swaying beard? Kind of like a kind of like a Moses beard or a Noah beard. I can just see you like that. Once clean-shaven men now have beards down to their belly buttons. Week one, Pastor Jay, you have a definition for the word viral. You said, and I think it's very accurate, you said it's something that spreads fast and it spreads far. It spreads fast and it spreads far. The, de- the, the Duck Dynasty beards, they spread fast and they spread far. <laughs> We're in a sermon series called Viral, and in this sermon series, we're studying the book of Acts, and we're doing that because of one reason, because there is a viral event that ha- took place in the book of Acts, and you see it from the start all the way to the end of the book, and it is the viral spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This event started on the day of Pentecost, and it is still alive today. It's viral. It's the viral spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It has spread far, and it has spread fast. In Acts chapter 13, you see Paul and Barnabas, just to give you a little bit of history of where we've been. That pastor started with this our first week, Acts 13. Paul and Barnabas go on their first missionary trip. Now, we have some people in Honduras right now, some of which are on their very first missionary trip. They, they've not ever been out of country, some for the very first time, and some have never been out of country doing missions, and so they're out on their first missionary trip. But could you imagine going on the first missionary trip for the first time that ever existed in, the, in human history? Paul and Barnabas had that experience, and several others went out to them. And so the church at Antioch commissioned them and said, Go. It can't be just about us. It's got to be about the world around us. Go, and let's let's focus on missions. That's Acts 13. Well, that's Acts 14. The gospel continues to spread, and and, and, and they continue to go from town to town, and, and this viral gospel doesn't stop. But something happens. There are external factors that begin to start hindering the spread of this gospel. Well, that's expected, isn't it, to have external opposition to to go? Who has ever shared their faith and been shut down pretty quick? There's external factors that that, that are in the world today, and, and they're driven by Satan, and they would love to shut us down, but something new begins to transpire in 14, and it goes from internal op- external opposition to now internal opposition. How many know that that is one of the most destructive forces to the church is internal opposition? And the church of Acts was, was not separate from this, but it was very present in Acts chapter 14. Well, Acts chapter 15 will, will be today this 
this great threat that, that tries to stop the viral spread in the church is recorded in Acts chapter 15, verses 1 through 2. So if you will, read this with me today. Acts chapter 1, 15, verse 1 through 2. While Paul and Barnabas were in, at Antioch of Syria, some men from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers. Unless you are circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them, and I love how this, this passage is put. It says, arguing vehemently. Anybody ever been in a vehement argument? Like, you are so passionate about what you're talking about, it doesn't matter what's said, you're right and they're wrong. And this is how Paul and Barnabas were arguing it with the Jews who had come down from Judea. He says, no, wait, wait, wait a minute. We've seen the work of the Spirit in the lives of the, of the Gentiles, just as we saw them in the Jews, and they're arguing vehemently. Finally, the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem, accompanied by some local believers, to talk to the apostles and elders about this question. Number one, just as Satan then wanted the church to focus inward, he still wants us to focus inward today. So number one, Satan wants us to focus inward. Can you just imagine for a moment, what if Satan would have had his way and they would have taken the word of these guys from Judea and shut down the spread of the gospel, we would only be a sect of Judaism today and would not have the worldwide presence that we have today. Think about that for a moment. Can we stop the move of the Spirit that God has initiated Absolutely we can. And some guys were trying to do it. They're trying to come in and, and shut this down. Satan was at work. Satan wanted a costly war on, on doctrine. He wanted people to become bitter and have an internal struggle in the church. Do you know what happens when there's an internal struggle? It shuts the work of the gospel down and people stop being saved. They stop being filled with the Holy Spirit. They stop sending out missionaries. They stop having an outward focus and they become inward focused. It would be a great tragedy for the church to argue about style rather than celebrating salvations. It would be a great tragedy today for the church to argue about how God moved yesterday versus today to shut down the work of the gospel. If we get the style of our service right, if we hit the right whoop in our service, if we dress the right way, if we shout the right way, if we read the right version of the Bible, if we respond this way or that way, then boy, we have had church today. That's a common misconception of about, about how God moves in somebody's life personally. What we have to understand is that God is God. And if the Spirit of God is the same yesterday... It's the same today, and it will be the same forever. Peter stated that we know that God is okay with Gentiles believing in Jesus because he has given them the stamp of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So Peter stands up in the middle of this argument at the Council of Jerusalem in Acts 15. He says, guys, 
wait just a minute. You're trying to put people in chains. We know that God approves because the same Holy Spirit that we received on the day of Pentecost is the same Holy Spirit that they have received with the same evidence of speaking in tongues. How can we go against this? It certainly wasn't because they wore the same clothes. It certainly was not because of how they ate, because they ate food sacrificed to idols. It wasn't because of their rituals, but it was because of the encounter that they had with Almighty God. If the encounter produces the same results, who cares what it looks like if it honors God? I'm going to say that again. If the encounter produces the same results, who cares what it looks like as long as it honors God? I was recently in a children's service, and a kid responds to an altar call. And this is a kid who is unchurched. He comes down to the altars with tears streaming down his face, and he says, Pastor Jason, he said, he said, I, I just, I, I don't know what to say. And I said, buddy, what's going on in your life? Why are you crying? He said, all I know is, is that I just feel the presence of God, and so I'm just crying right now. This, this is an unchurched kid. And he's feeling the presence of God so strong that all he knows how to do is weep and cry in his presence. And he comes down and say, buddy, you're experiencing the presence of God. You are experiencing what God has created you to experience. And that's an encounter with him. Come on, how many know that that's what we're created for? An encounter with Almighty God. The next service, this kid, listen, it doesn't stop there. He comes down to the altar and he's crying again. And this time for 30 minutes he stands in the altar and he's weeping in the presence of God and he receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Come on, it doesn't stop there. The next service that I'm in with this kid, he comes down to the altar. This time he's weeping after encountering the presence of God and getting saved and getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And he says, how do you know when God's talking to you? I said, well, what is he saying to you right now? Come on, you, you got you to get some, some background here. And he says, I feel like God is telling me that one day I'm going to preach the gospel. And I said, well, buddy, you are definitely hearing from God. He was saved, baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. And now instead of being inward focused, he wants to be outward focused. And this is coming from an unchurched kid who cares what the encounter looks like is only as long as it produces the same results. Come on, he wasn't in a church service of yesterday. He was in a church service of today, and we see the same results happening. The church at Jerusalem was at a crossroads. It would either embrace the spread of the gospel, or God would choose to do it elsewhere. Remember, the church first focused outwardly at Antioch, not at Jerusalem. The church was first called Christians at Antioch, not at, at Jerusalem. Wouldn't it be a tragedy if God were to say, you know what, church, any church, I'm going to bypass you because they are more hungry to be focused outward. You're all about the inward. God help us to never find ourselves. In that place at Kingwood Church, the Holy Spirit enables us to finish this viral work that Jesus started. I was in a service in West Monroe, Louisiana. 
And while in this service, you just gauging the temperature of the service. Anybody ever done that before? You just kind of gauge the temperature and you, you start to think, man, where, where's God at today? What's, what's really going on in people's minds? Like, like what is really happening here today? And, and I began to do that. I got in my little, I put my little religious clothes on and I said, you know what, I'm just looking around the room and I don't see the outward evidence. And this guy right over on this side of the sanctuary begins to say, I can see. I can see the worship leader, like not knowing what's going on, begins to quiet down as he's playing. This man goes over to his wife and he says, honey, you're beautiful. I can see you. And then I realized at that point what's going on. The guy's dropped his stick that he came in with. This is a guy that everybody has known in the community for 20 plus years and he's been blind and can't see. And he drops his cane and he's shouting, I can see, I can see. Nobody touches him. Nobody gets excited and, and begins to hoop and shout. Listen, this is not an environment where everybody's running around and you go, man, the spiritual temperature right now is, this is where miracles happen. But come on, the Holy Spirit's the same today, yesterday, and forever. You don't have to get the temperature right. You don't have to sing the right songs. You don't have to dress the right way. The Holy Spirit is who the Holy Spirit was and who he will always be. He goes to the doctor the very next day. And the doctor says, you're delusional. Your retina is still detached from your eye. There's no way that you're seeing. He left determined and went to the DMV and took the eye exam at the DMV and passed his driving test and shows up at the church office and comes in and he says, I just want y'all to know I got my driver's license today. The doctor says that I'm still blind, but I'm driving a car around the city. <laughs> do you know what that will do for a church? It will make the gospel go viral in a region. All of a sudden, everybody starts getting stirred up and go, wait a minute, it don't look the same as it did yesterday, but it's the same. you got to come to my church. you got to come to my church. you got to come to my church. And for the next three months, we had service every single day of the week because a church decided to not be inward-focused and become outward-focused. Satan wants you to be inward-focused. But number two, the Holy Spirit wants you to be outward focused. The Holy Spirit wants you to be outward focused. Viral happens when the church realizes that the gifts of the Spirit do not exist so that they can have a good church service, but rather to reach the lost and dying world around them. Can I say that again? Viral happens when the church realizes that the gifts of the Spirit do not exist so that they can have a good church service, but they rather exist to reach the lost and dying world around them. Today is Pentecost Sunday. The word Pentecost simply means 50. It's a Greek word for the Jewish festival Shavuot. That's simply all it means is 50. This, this festival happened 50 days after the second day of Passover. We know it better as the 50th day after Resurrection Sunday. So 
50 days ago, we sat in this, this service and we celebrated the resurrection of Christ, but today is Pentecost Sunday. It's also the Sunday that, that God chose for the Holy Spirit to come down and rest upon the church. You remember when, you remember when Jesus began to leave in Acts chapter 1. He says, wait a minute, wait a minute. Go to Jerusalem and wait until you receive the Holy Spirit because then you will have power to do what I've called you to do. You're talking about viral? Get a hold of the person that Jesus sent to make the gospel go viral. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants us to focus outward. In Acts chapter 15, verse 28, it was the same Holy Spirit that fell on the day of Pentecost that keeps the church driving towards its mission. This is James, the brother of Jesus. And he makes this statement. He says, For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us, church at Antioch, to not lay any greater burden on you. The early church had a personal interaction with the Holy Spirit. It wasn't just a pious remark, but it was a reality. It was something that was real. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit is what they said. We started the viral spread of the gospel by the Spirit. And it's going to be what keeps us on track. Amen. The Holy Spirit enables us to finish the viral work that Jesus started. Pastor Sims, you'll remember this. You were there on this trip. We were in New York City, and I was witnessing in front of Columbia University. It just so happens to be in Washington Square Park. Washington Square Park is in Greenwich Village, and everybody in Greenwich Village does not want to hear what you have to say about Jesus. All right, It's not Alabaster, Alabama. And when you go to Greenwich, New York, you really have uh, this, pers- it puts it into perspective, hey, everybody don't think the same way we do about Jesus. Do you know that we're seeing the same thing begin to happen in our community today that was happening in Greenwich Village 20 years ago? People are not being receptive to the gospel. They don't want to hear about the gospel. They push the gospel away. Church, we've got to get a hold of that. We've got to grasp that and come up with some, some solutions of how we can attack that. I can tell you what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants people to be reached for him. I'm sitting on the steps of Columbia University, and these three guys come at me. One, I can say, was probably one of the biggest human beings I've ever seen in my life. He's the guy that's in the middle, and classic movie style, he says, give me all your money. And I said, no, I'm not giving you all my money. I work too hard for my money. Not going to happen. Well, I was from Alabama, okay? Not from New York City. I didn't know how people in New York City responded. So I responded how boys from Alabama respond. No, I'm not giving you my money. He says, give me all your money or I will kill you right where you sit. And he flashes a knife. I said, well, you're just going to have to kill me because I'm not giving you all my money. Hey, I was stupid at 20 years old. <laughs> I don't think I would respond the same way today. <laughs> 
But it's how I responded then. And all I can tell you is I was, I was under the power of the Holy Spirit when I said it. Because the next thing this guy says is, listen, man, if you're not going to give me all your money, I just need $5. <laughs> he said, it's cold out here today, and my mom's expecting me. And then he brings his mom into the picture. My mom's expecting me. I need to purchase a ticket for the subway. I said, that's great. Let's go down to the subway, and I'll purchase you a ticket. I wasn't going to hand him $5. And then he said, listen, that's really not why I'm hungry and I need $5 so I can go buy a Frank, a hot dog. And I said, well, look, I'll go buy you a hot dog. If you'll, just, if you'll just give me just a minute, I'll go buy you a hot dog. And he said, that's really not the reason why I want $5 so I can go buy a joint. And I said, well, if you'll sit down for just a minute, for five minutes, and let me share the gospel with you, I'll give you $5. He sits down on the steps outside of Columbia University, and I begin to share how the Lord had changed my life. And tears began to stream down his face. And he says, two weeks ago, I was in Rikers prison. And when I was in Rikers, I got saved, and God baptized me in his Holy Spirit. And when I got out, I got back involved with the same people I was involved with before, and that's how I find myself here today. And he said, I know that God... By his power, has sent you here today to speak to me, to get me back on track. Now, come on, that is viral right there. You see, the Spirit wants us outward, but Satan wants us inward. What if somebody wasn't sitting at Columbia University waiting to intercept this guy witnessing the gospel, where nobody, by the way, wants to hear the gospel preached? How many of those people are in Alabaster, Alabama today that are hurting, that have been beat up by life? But church, we have the answer. Some of you know those people today. Some of you work with those people today. Some of you have family members who are just like that. Church, let's not be inward focused, but let's be outward focused. Amen? I was in Alexandria, Louisiana, probably the third week of entering into our pastorate there. And I was working on some stuff around the church, and a, a knock comes on the front door, and I walk to the front door. The doors are locked. I don't know the area. I don't know who this guy is, but he's dressed really rough. I talk with him through the door for a few minutes, and he says, Listen, I don't want any money. But I need help, and I don't know where else to turn to. And I say, God, how can I, how can I turn him away? I unlock the door. He comes in. He says, I'm sure you've heard this story a thousand times. He said, I'm not looking for a handout. I'm just looking for help. He said, I was in prison because I stole a bunch of guns, and I've just gotten out. And, and I go back home. He said, my family will not receive me at the house. They've sold everything in my house. I lived on my father's land. They've sold everything in my house. I went to the church right before yours. They told me to go away and never come back again. And so here I am. Please don't turn me away. So I invite the guy to come in, and we talk for the next few minutes. And he says, do you know anywhere that I can get a job? I said, well, we're working on the church right now, and I need some help. If you'll be here in the morning at 6 o'clock in the morning, I'll put you to work. 
So that night, I put him up in a hotel, not expecting him to come back at 6 o'clock in the morning. He walked two miles from the hotel, and when I get there at 6 o'clock, he's sitting under the awning of the church. I said, well, this guy wants to work. He's not looking for a handout. And so I put him to work, and I began to minister the gospel. He said, listen, I'm an atheist. He said, I only came to the church because I knew that I could probably get some help out of the church, but I don't want to hear what you have to say. I said, well, that's fine. I just want to pray for you right now that God would open your heart and change your heart. And, and I began to pray for him. And do you know over the next three weeks, this guy comes to church every single day to work, and God began to do a work in his life. The guy gets saved. He gets baptized. He starts going to our church. And then I get a phone call from a pastor across town. He says, hey, man, he says, we've planted a church here. It hasn't gone so well, and we just feel like if we join forces with you, we've seen some growth in your church that we'll we'll together do a lot better. And I said, well, that's great. Come on board. So I start Facebook stalking this this pastor. Anybody ever done that before? Like you invite somebody into your life, and then and then you're like, I better find out like who they really are, and you start Facebook stalking. Well, I'm Facebook stalking this guy, and I see one of his friends. His last name is DeKaiser. How many of you know the, any DeKaisers? That's not a that's not a name that that people have, right? So. I knew that they had to be related. His name was Michael DeKaiser. The guy that was going to my church was Michael DeKaiser. I go, there's something up. So I call the pastor. And I said, hey, you're friends with Michael DeKaiser. We have a Michael DeKaiser that goes to church here. And he goes, oh, no. Oh, no. There's, there's no way that, that's, that that's, this is happening. He said, that is, the son, that is the father of one of the boys that go to my church. And they have not seen him in three years. He's a drug addict. He's a thief. He said, please don't tell me you've let him into your church. I said, not only have I let him into my church, but he's gotten saved. He's here every single Sunday. He's been baptized. He works in our parking lot on Sunday morning. He goes out to the cars and walks all the elder ladies in with an umbrella when it's raining. Yeah, he goes to our church and his life's been transformed. He said, I can't believe it. I said, you need to call a meeting with the mother of this son so that we can have a conversation because if she shows up and sees this guy in church, he's probably, they're probably not going to attend here. So they come to our house and, and, and begin to, to talk it through. She said, Michael's an atheist. I want you to understand that. I said, I know he was an atheist. He's not an atheist anymore. He's serving God today. And she said, listen, I don't know how this is even possible except by God. I said, I want you to just pray with me for just a moment. Maybe God is trying to do some works of restoration here. Maybe your son hasn't seen his father in three years, but you've been praying some prayers, and God's bringing it back together. I want you to know that this son had a very hard time coming to church because of all the things his father had done in the past. On Christmas Eve, he shows up at the church with a sack with a present in it, and he goes up to his dad, and he gives him a present. He says, Dad, I forgive you for all of the things that you did to me in the past. I just want a relationship with you. Church, when the Spirit of God is in charge, it doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter how they dress. It doesn't matter if they've got it right or not. Satan wants us inward focused, but God wants us outward focused. Amen. Would you pray with me today? Father, I pray in this room today 
all across this room, Lord. I know you're wanting to do a work in the lives of individuals in this room today. Some, Lord, you're wanting to speak to about reaching out. Others, you're wanting to speak to them personally about what's going on in their life and and how they can get it right with you, Lord. And I pray right now in this moment, as as you've been speaking from the very beginning, Lord, that you do your work as only you do. I pray right now, Spirit of God, that you would begin to to cause those that are in this room to to not have an inward focus, Lord, but to, to have an outward focus, Lord, that they would begin to pray and intercede for those in their life that need to know you, that they would not give up on, on somebody just because of the way they're dressed or how they think or how they talk, Lord. You are the factor that makes the difference, Lord. God, do it today. Show up in your power in this room like only you can with heads bowed and eyes closed all around this room today I want to give a moment for the Spirit of God to interact in this place the Lord's been speaking from the very beginning and as heads are bowed and eyes are closed in this place I want to ask you to respond maybe you've lost your way today maybe you were once on fire for the Lord and today the Spirit of God has been speaking to you about getting things right with him if that's you would you just lift your hand right where you're at God speaking to me I I need the fire of God again I want to get my life back on track again if that's you just slip your hand up right where you're at all heads are bowed no eyes are looking this morning if that's you slip your hand up right where you're at I need the fire of God again in my life I've lost my way I need the Lord again if that's you would you just lift your hand as heads remain bowed and eyes are closed in this room today you may see say that you need the Holy Spirit to refocus your life from an inward focus to an outward focus if that's you today would you just lift your hand right where you're at the Lord is speaking to me I don't want to be inward anymore but I want to become outward if that's you would you lift your hand in this place in this room today I don't want to be inward focused anymore I want to be outward focused thirdly today if you know someone that you need to intercede for you know someone who's lost their way or you know someone who needs to be sitting in these seats around you today and you would like to have a time of prayer for them would you just slip your hand up right where you're at pastor I want to intercede for somebody I know somebody in my life today that needs the work of the spirit in their life if that's you would you just raise your hand right where you're at there's hands going up all around the room. Lord, you see the hands today. I thank you, Father God, by your power today that you're going to do a work in their life. Come on, church. Would you just begin to intercede with me right now for for those hands that are lifted, the people that they represent. God, we thank you, Lord. That, that they're not alone, Lord. We thank you right now while we're praying, Lord, that these people that we're interceding for, that they're feeling the peace of God. We thank you right now that, that, that as we're praying for them, Lord, that things are beginning to, to come into place, Lord. They wouldn't otherwise come into place except for a move of your spirit, Lord. Satan has tried to have his way in their life, God, but we thank you today, Lord, that by your hand and by a move of your spirit, Lord, that they're beginning to be set free, Lord. What we're loosing today is loosing things in their life, Father. We thank you for your freedom right now, Lord. Thank you for that freedom right now. Now all over this house, if you would, just stand. 
right where you're at. We're going to go back into a moment of worship. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come down right now. They're going to line up across the front of the room. And as our prayer team is coming, what I want you to do is I want you to begin to focus in on the Lord. And if there's anything that you need prayer for in your life today, if there's circumstances beyond your control or you just want to take it a step further, you raised your hand to intercede from somebody. If you want to take that intercession a little bit further and come down to the front and have somebody agree with you today over that person, I want you to do that. Maybe, maybe you're in this place and, and you, you, you didn't have the courage to raise your hand and, and you need to get your fire back. You need, you've lost your way and you need God to begin to drive on the inside of you. If that's you this morning, would you just step out today as we go back into worship? Come on, now's the time to respond. If you need prayer, now's your time. Step out and come down to the front today. We need